Hi, my name's Stephen. If I haven't met you before, I'm the wannabe deacon here at um, Christ the King. And so if I haven't met you, um, please see me. I'd love to meet you. Um, just proud dad moment, a little teary. <laughs> so it's my daughter leading worship today. And uh, yeah. So, so my son's in the Army, and I've uh, had the opportunity to be deployed with him in Afghanistan. And uh, I often said I did some physical warfare with my son, and uh, this is the second time I've got to do spiritual warfare uh, with my daughter. So, yay. <laughs> all right. Was that all I was going to say? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. We've come to the final sermon in our Jeremiah series. Yay. So I'm going to do, I'm going to do a quick wrap-up, a little overview of Jeremiah, and then I'm going to spend some time on one of the most significant passages in Jeremiah. Now, Jesse said in one of his sermons that the most significant, or one of the most significant passages was the New Covenant passage from Jeremiah 31. Well, this text is considered or could be considered a sister text to that because it is also about the new covenant. So it is also one of the most significant passages, especially that Jeremiah says, because it's about the new covenant. And I'm going to explore this and some other passages from the view of endurance. Um, So first, a quick overview. I just have to confess that every time I start thinking about Jeremiah, what I first think of, I'm always reminded of that Three Dog Night song, Joy to the World, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, was a good friend of mine. Yeah, I sing that in my head every time, and then I can move on. So we're moving on. Our Jeremiah, our Jeremiah is an Old Testament prophet. He's a major prophet, which means long book. In this case, 52 chapters. So he was called early in his life to prophesy to the southern kingdom of Judah. He was supposed to call Judah back into covenant relationship with Yahweh. He tried to get them to put away their idols. He tried to get them to start treating the poor and oppressed or what we would call the marginalized of society in the right way. And God promised if they did that, he would continue to bless them and pour more blessings on them. But if they didn't do that, God would punish them with war and famine and pestilence. And then that would culminate with 70 years of exile in Babylon. Now, since this is our last sermon, this is not a spoiler alert. I think you caught this. Judah does not listen to Jeremiah And so they end up for 70 years in exile. And the book of Jeremiah ends with them in exile. So now if you remember the last time I preached, I said that I also, like the Judeans, spent a year of exile in Babylon. So I kind of feel for them. Also, my good friend here from Montana, David Buckingham, spent some time in exile in Babylon. In fact, I got to visit him uh, to ease his exile a little bit. So now, last message, or last week in his message, Jesse said that since we were going through Jeremiah so quickly, we were going to focus really on big themes that permeate the Bible and saturate through the Older Testament and into the Newer Testament. 
and that's pretty much what we've been doing. Last week's Jesse's message was about idol worship and how we can avoid it and still fall into the trap and why idols are so, um, what's that word? Why people want to worship and why they're so attractive. You see every page, it's like, what's wrong with these Israelites? Well, idols were attractive. And then he discussed the new, t- new covenant a little while ago and the difference between a covenant and a contract and how the new covenant affects us. I talked about persistently ashkim, persistently listening to God and setting some time aside for him. And I also went over how we can lament to God. God wants us to lament to him, but we can do it without complaining to him. And so, so fairly big things that do permeate uh, scripture. And tonight, I want to talk about endurance and enduring. And I want to talk about it from kind of two perspectives. I want to talk about it from an individual salvation endurance perspective. And I want to kind of talk about it uh, from a church plant uh, enduring perspective. So now I'm going to assume, I am assuming, that all or most of us are trusting in Jesus to forgive our sins. That we're... Um, that he's providing us with eternal life and he's providing us with the righteousness needed for acceptance with God. You know, we're trusting. I think we're all in this evening, both individually and pretty much as a, as a church plant. But, you know, life can be hard. Life can be difficult. There's going to be things that happen in our life. It's full of ups and downs. And the same can be said for a church plant. It's going to be some difficult times, going to be hard road sometimes. Um, but we may, in the hard, difficult ups and downs, begin to question, how do we know this will last? How do we know this will be sustained? How do we know we will endure to the end, both as individuals and as a church plant? And this is where this text from Jeremiah is so great. This text contains such a great promise from God, the God of the universe, who's going to make an everlasting covenant with us to be our God, to give us a new heart, or one heart as it says here, to do us good. In fact, he says he will rejoice in doing us good. He will plant us in faithfulness, and he will do it with all his heart and with all his soul. And you know, he used the exact same phrasing that Deuteronomy has in the great Shema when it directs us to love God with all our heart and with all our soul. It's the same. It's almost leadership by example. But all his heart and all his soul. Now in case something happens, and I don't get to finish this sermon, I want you to know the good news. The good news up front. The way we can be assured that we will endure to the end is because God's going to do it. It's not up to us it's God's work and he's promised to do it so we can be assured in this passage you just have to look at all the I wills that God says God's speaking here he says I will gather I will bring I will make I will be I will give I will put I will rejoice I will plant and I will not turn away So if you're in a place tonight where you're tired or you're worn out, you're beaten down, and you're wondering how you're going to endure to the end, 
My plea is to let these promises of God for the new covenant sink into your soul. Meditate on them. Find rest in the assurance that God has promised. And as we sing, you know, all God's promises are yes and amen. So now how do we get there? Is enduring really a thing for Christians? And if so, is it an important thing? So I want to give you a bunch of evidence from the New Testament, because I'm a New Testament guy, or from the Newer Testament, because I'm a Newer Testament guy. So, so you guys sit back and, and hang on. I'm about to throw a bunch of passages at you, and I'm just going to tell you what the passage is, and I'm going to read it, so don't try and sword drill your way, flip through your Bible, just, just sit back. So first, Mark 13, 13. Now this is Jesus speaking. And you will be, this is great news, and you will be hated for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So listen, if you're hated for being a Christian or you lose friends because of your beliefs or the stances you take, whether you wore a mask or not, didn't wear a mask, or you don't get invited to the cool parties, you should not be anxious. You should rejoice because you are in the same company as the apostles. You're going to be hated for Jesus' name. Romans 5, uh, 5, 3 through 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is our seal and guarantee. And by him, we know the promises of God are trustworthy because the Spirit within us testifies to the faithfulness of God. 1 Corinthians 4.12, And we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. 1 Corinthians 10.13, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. 1 Corinthians 13.7, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Colossians 1.11, Paul prays, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. And finally then, speaking directly to this text from Jeremiah, Romans 15.4, for whatever was written in former days, like Jeremiah, was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. So that's why we're reading this passage tonight. This is one of those texts that gives us hope and endurance. Because the thing that makes you last, the thing that gives you sustaining grace, it's not keeping you from the difficult things in life. It's being there in the difficulties of life. And you've got to believe that God is going to work things for your good. In fact, God is going to work things for your best, not just good.
So I hope now, I hope you can see that from those texts that enduring is a Christian thing. And it's a very important Christian thing. And you know, as the colic we prayed two weeks ago began, it began, oh God, because without you, we are unable to please you. Mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our lives. So we should similarly pray that without you, we are unable to endure. Mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things preserve the works of your mercy, that your church may persevere with steadfast faith. I think that's a great prayer. But the question, the question is still out there. How do we do it? How can we be sure today that we will endure? And that is where this passage from Jeremiah comes up. If you haven't already and you have a Bible with you, please open to Jeremiah 32, 36 to 42 and follow along. Remember, Jeremiah is about the middle and then a little further. If you get to Isaiah, keep going. If you get to Lamentations, go back. So I'm going to read. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city of which you say, it is given into the hand of the king of Babylon by sword, by famine, and by pestilence. Behold, I will gather them from all the countries to which I drove them in my anger and my wrath and in great indignation. Okay, so the people of Judah are in Babylon. And who gave them up to Babylon? God did. God did that. These people were in bondage in Babylon because God sent them there. And it was punitive, right? It was punishment. Now, not all the bad things that happen to us in life are punitive. Some are, some aren't. Some are chastisement and some are testing. Some that don't correspond to anything particular that we have done. But in this case, God has Judah in a hard place because of the disobedience. God did it, and he's going to do some more stuff. So now I want to read the, the best, the best, the, the significant passage. And I want you to listen to all the I wills from God. So I'm going to read 37b through 42. I will bring them back to this place, and I will make them dwell in safety. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make them, I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn away from me. I will rejoice in doing them good and I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart's and with all my soul. For thus says the Lord, just as I have brought all this great disaster upon this people, so I will bring upon them all the good that I promised them. Great news. So the trait of endurance, I want to tell you, in Christian life is not inherent. Endurance is not something you were born with, but it is something you were born again with. This is God. God persistently, Ashkim, persistently building into you the ability to endure. And it is his sustaining, persevering, enduring grace that keeps you secure. 
But how does God do it? Is that what I want to know that often. How are you going to do this? From this passage, I want to reinforce some of the things that Jesse told us uh, in his message on the New Covenant. Because they're important. They're so important. You've got to have these. So the first way God ensures that we're going to endure is he promises to be our God. He says, they will be my people and I will be their God. He will use everything that makes him God for our good. He'll use everything that makes him God to sustain us, to make sure that we endure to the end. He will be there for us. All his power, strength, might, wisdom, love, every character trait that you can think of is for us. He's our God. So you don't need to chase after idols. You don't need to chase after money. You don't need to chase after prestige or man's praise or anything because God is our God. He is for us. He's got us. And that's what it means when he says, I am your God. Or I will be their God. The next thing he says is God promises to change our hearts. He says, I will give them one heart and one way. In 31, it says a new heart. So heart in the Bible is more than just the blood pumping organ. In fact, rarely in the Bible is it ever referred to as just the blood pumping organ. When it says heart, the Bible means our core, our inner being, all of us, what makes us, us. So when he says he will give us a, a new heart, the thing is our unsaved hearts have some significant issues. So God promises to give us new hearts. And when we believe, he replaces our heart, our old, unbelieving, rebellious, hard hearts with new, believing, pure, blameless, righteous hearts. So another way God's going to ensure that we endure, he's going to give us new hearts. And he's already done that for us. Third, God promises that we will never be separated from him. God promises that he will not turn away from us, and he promises that we will not turn away from him. He has made an everlasting covenant with us, not a temporary short-term contract that Jesse went over, but an everlasting covenant, the covenant to keep us, that what Jesus is doing now at the Father's right hand is this business. Jesus is at the Father's right hand, according to Hebrews, mediating for us. He's interceding for us. He's intervening for us. He's interposing himself between our sin and God. He's doing that on our behalf. He pleads. He petitions. He entreats the Father on our behalf so that we will not turn away and so that we will not be turned away. So another way God is ensuring that we will endure is by never turning away from us and by not allowing us to turn away from him. Finally, finally from this passage, God does not keep us half-heartedly or like he has some onerous task or chore to perform. It's not like God wakes up in the morning and goes, oh man, another day of keeping those Christians enduring. That is not what God does. No, he does it with joy. I will rejoice in doing them good. And he's doing it with his heart, his whole heart, and his whole soul. So I want you to think of something that you really like to do. You, when you do it, you're putting your whole heart and soul into it. 
you're, you got joy that's so overwhelming. I don't know if it's like running or skiing or surfing or walking along the beach or listening to music or playing uh, music. And then, and then you have this, like if you're a skier, you have this perfect, pristine, not-touched slope full of powdered snow that you're just going to, oh, and when you start, you lose track of everything else. And you're just like, oh, this is so great. I got my uh, camera going, and I'm going to send this out on that social media thing to everybody in my life. That's how God rejoices to do you good. And not just that, it's like a thousand times better than that because he's God. He's the God of the universe, and he's doing this with all his heart and all his soul. So, just, I just, every time something like that is, I just try and picture God up there going, hey, I'm going to do you so good. So what is our responsibility? I like to lean on Paul's message to the Romans, because I'm a New York Testament guy. 10, 8 through 10. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So our responsibility really is to believe that he's going to do that or that he's doing it. And that doesn't seem so onerous, to believe that he's doing it. So now back to our, I've got three more cards. Now back to ourselves in our church. I don't know everybody's story here. I don't know right now if you're on a high, things are going well, you're perfectly content with your life, you love the Lord, things are going great. Or if you're at a low point, like really in the midst of a real life crisis, wondering how you're going to get through the day, not alone endure to the end. Or if you're in the middle somewhere, just sort of muddling through, dealing with the everyday ups and downs that that people have to deal with. As individuals, no matter what our circumstances, we can lean on these promises. We can know with all our hearts and with all our souls that we aren't going to be protected from the difficult, hard times, but God promises to be with us. He promises to be with us in all times, hard, easy, or in between, and that we will, that we will endure to the end. And what goes for us as individuals goes for the church plant. And I just want to say, Debbie, we went over my sermon, and Debbie said, be sure to add this. Goes as a church plant, so I want to add it. Just looking at you guys, I have this, this great faith that, that you're enduring, and the things that you are bringing to this church plant are part of the reason that I have great faith God is going to endure. Whatever it is, he's going to make this church plant endure to do the thing that he wants us to do and accomplish what he's called us to do. So thank you for that. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, in Christ, you have revealed your glory among the nations. Preserve the works of your mercy that your people throughout the world, especially those here at CTK, may persevere with steadfast faith in the confession of your name. May your, make your presence and power known through the good times, through the hard times, and through the normal daily grind. 
strengthen us to endure in joy through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.